I'm ready when y'all are, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Francis Carlotta. Welcome to season three, episode 31 of the Up and Under. That's right, y'all. It's season three, and we'll be talking all about the Memphis Tigers and Imani Bates. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. We're not. We're not talking about the Memphis Tigers at least this time. But better yet, it is time for our annual preseason tradition, where we'll discuss the 15 most interesting NBA teams heading into next season. And for this episode, we'll talk about the Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, Utah Jazz, and Atlanta Hawks. Oh. And the reigning 2021 NBA Play-In Tournament winners, the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, that's that's what I'll call them for this episode. Though, uh, though this week we are unfortunately not graced with the presence of, or, or I guess fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, by the illustrious Connor Byrne, the true certified lover boy Grant Heckinger is here, and we are joined by someone who is the first jujitsu master I've ever met in my life, a genuine ping pong hustler. Ah. NBA lover and one of my favorite people in the world to hang out with and talk sports with. That's Christopher Moore. Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great this morning. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Francis. Yeah, first time yeah. on the podcast. Is this your first time doing a podcast, period? First t- podcast ever, so I'm excited. Oh, man. I'm really That's, happy. I'm pumped. Grant, I'm sure. Grant, I hope you're doing well, man. I know the last time we talked, you told this uh, really difficult story about how you almost were operated on by a malpractice surgeon uh so hopefully since by a, then, by a murderer I, let's just put it by a murderer exactly yeah, to be malpractice surgeons a little bit light yeah okay let's let's good point thank you let's be very clear about the ramifications serial of what killer. he did so yeah by <laughs> a serial killer please tell me you didn't watch another show only to realize you were almost killed by somebody so no that uh, has not happened that's uh, that okay. a one-time thing thankfully Thank that that's wonderful. Yeah. But how's everything else, Grant? Uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I was I've been sick the past couple of days. I someone hit my car a couple of days ago. What so the I guess fuck? it hasn't been. I guess it hasn't been that good. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but but yeah, pl- plugging along. Um, just moved to a new place. So excited to be doing this po- first podcast from my my new apartment here. So awesome. Well, I'm happy to hear that you found a new place. I again, I, I think it's just like. As tradition, I'm just I I'm sorry that you're going through tough tough things, um, but but ho- hopefully you're you're okay now, and hopefully you're feeling better from your sickness. But it's always good to see you, Grant. Great to have Chris here. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the very first team in our docket, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. And as I'll do for every team in, in, in this episode, I'll give a quick rundown and review of how they did last year. So last season, the Lakers were 42-30, and 30, finished 7th in the West. They beat the Golden State Warriors to get the 7th seed in the, in the playoffs. They lost in the first round to the Suns in 6 games. And just a few, uh, well actually, a lot a lot of key losses because they basically turned over their entire roster. So they lost Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus All, Wesley Matthews, Montrez Harrell, Andre Drummond, and Kentavious Caldwell Pope. But they added Dwight Howard, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, Rajon Rondo, Carmelo Anthony, and the, well, polarizing, I'll say it like that, polarizing Russell Westbrook. So that is that is one hell of an offseason by the Los Angeles Lakers. And Chris, other than your vast basketball knowledge, you are a Lakers fan to your core, which is why we wanted to bring you in for this podcast. So Chris, it's only right. Let's start with you, man. Give us your offseason grade for the Los Angeles Lakers and just any thoughts you have on the Lakers going into the season. Well, talking about interesting teams in the NBA, I don't think it gets any more interesting than the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like we have a NBA 2K team in the modern NBA, and I don't think anybody knows how this is going to work. Uh, my grade yeah. for the offseason is a B plus, And uh, I like their moves, but there's just too many variables for me to bump them into that A range. Let's start okay. with the elephant in the room. Russell Westbrook, dynamic player. I'm not sure how he fits the Lakers. I don't think he's a perfect fit, but he was by far the most talented player available for the Lakers to grab. 
So that's a good point. I'm going to put that move in the B plus range. Look, this could be a disaster, but it could also be an absolute <laughs> home run, slam dunk, touchdown, whatever analogy. <laughs> Hole in one. Um, <laughs> yeah, this team is definitely talented. Um, it's interesting that you're talking about the turnover because LeBron James is now the longest tenured Laker. So we Ooh. don't know what this team is actually going to do. I have a feeling that uh, the Lakers kind of want to be a transition team, uh, two of the best players of all time of getting into the bucket. Um, yeah. You have uh, LeBron James, who could still, you know, in its 20th-plus season, get to the bucket, yeah. you know, basically at will. And then Russell Westbrook is one of the most violent rim attackers I've ever seen. Um, yeah. But again, are they? do they have the horses to be a transition offense in the, you know, the young NBA, they're an old team. So I think yeah. they did some good things. They addressed their shooting woes. They uh, added uh, Wayne Ellington, who's uh, turned into an elite off-ball shooter. Um, Kendrick Nunn is a 36% uh, a career shooter. And uh, yeah. Carmelo Anthony shot 40% from three last season. Um, if we looked at the second half of the season in Charlotte, Malik Monk also emerged as a, a three-point threat and uh, a yeah. valid um, – score from beyond the arc. I think yeah. that um, the Lakers want to get back to their 2020 form, uh, which they were just longer than everybody in the bubble and they exhausted teams. That's where you see the Dwight Howard, uh, DeAndre Jordan uh, signing. Looks like the Lakers just want their fives to dunk this season. Uh, we saw the, <laughs> the Montrez Harrell, uh, Mark Gasol experiment. Didn't, I have a, bit, a few mixed feelings. I think the Mark Gasol experiment could have gone better. Nevertheless, the Lakers didn't really have the same identity as they had in 2020. Right. Um, you know, there's the obvious, this team is old. Um, do they still need a, a, another defensive wing? The DeAndre Jordan signing, I like it in theory, but I would have rather them grabbed a springy big out of the G League. So um, mm. in theory, this Lakers team, I expect them to get past the West, but Everyone has to stay healthy. If there's one injury, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think I think that's all really good points. And I think the Lakers are such a fragile team that just one one small thing, like if LeBron has another lengthy injury absence, AD shows more injury issues, which I think we can just straight up say it. Anthony Davis is injury prone. I, I think we can just say that considering his injury history. So if something happens to AD, to LeBron, even Russ, you can even say Russ is injury prone. So if something happens to those three guys, God, I, I, we, I don't even, I don't want to think about what this Lakers team would be. I mean, it would, it could damn near look like one of those Kobe Bryant Lakers teams where it's just like one star and a cast of friends. Like <laughs> that's that's what I guess it would really look like if if one of those guys went down. But Grant, uh, I'll transition it to you, man. Was your your offseason great for the Lakers? And any thoughts you have on on what Chris said? Yeah, uh, B plus is where I landed too. Um, I would have been with just the rust trade. I think I would have been a little lower than that. Um, I was mm. still like fairly high on the rust trade. Like obviously, there's a lot of fit issues there. We don't know how it's going to work, but um, we've seen a lot teams just buying in on three stars, buying in on overwhelming teams of stars. If you lose one of those stars, you still have two stars to take up the mantle there. Um, right. which is something that the Lakers obviously needed after they had all, all the injury issues last year and really no mm -hmm. one no one there to back up those those uh, two big guys. Um, but really what was impressive was after that Russ move was all the fringe moves they made, um, especially considering how handicapped they were. They clearly were a very attractive destination as a contender, as, a, as the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, they were able to more. get a lot of veterans on very friendly contracts, um, which is always nice to do that. Um, so it was really all, all that maneuvering was pretty impressive to me. There are still a lot of questions with those guys. I think um, the big one being, are enough of those guys going to be able to be two way contributors? You bring in like kind of a lot of guys who are maybe okay on one side of the ball, or really good on, are good on one side of the ball, and then maybe okay on the other one. Do or, they get, or just bad, or just bad, or bad too? Um, I mean, do the, does playing with LeBron and AD open up open up enough open looks? for those guys who are questionable shooters to be, but are good defenders, to be good two-way contributors, hit enough of those open looks. Um, are they able to pick up some of the slack defensively 
I mean, how much weight are they going to have to rely on LeBron and AD defensively for this year? I mean, is Trevor Ariza actually playable? Is Kim Bazemore going to be a really good defender? Um, I mean, Carmelo Anthony Anthony's obviously not going to hold up defensively at all. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just where no, are you going to look no, no, in the playoffs? Not. Where are you going to look? Are you going to have to just pick between shooting and defense? They have both of those things. It's just do they have enough of those players that can combine those things at the same time and actually stay on the floor in a playoff series? So, I mean, like you said, they are pretty fragile. This is so much turnover. It's a completely new, new team outside of those a uh, couple two you know two stars uh, yeah so we have no idea how it's going to work i like what they did i think they did the best what they could with uh, with what they had so that's why i gave them the b plus i think you have to give them a relative grade to what they had available to them and i think they did a really good job um but still it's no guarantee i think they probably are the favorite in the west but like you said one injury and that could change if they have you know if those fit issues fit questions we have end up being real question marks then this team uh could could look a little uglier than we think they could yeah i, I again echo everything you said grant i wanted before i give my grade i, I wanted to ask both of y'all this question uh who do you think is more important to the lakers russell westbrook or anthony davis anthony davis 100 percent. i'm gonna have to agree okay. anthony davis um anthony davis to me is um He's an X factor, similar in the way that uh, Giannis is used in Milwaukee or Kevin Durant in uh, uh, Brooklyn. Um, AD's the ultimate small ball destroyer, and he's the most talented player on the Lakers at this point. Um, if Anthony Davis gets hurt, we saw what happened in the Sun series. So yeah. Anthony Davis, and we've okay, seen, yeah, I... uh, and we've seen that the Lakers can't really coast through the regular season. They're not that far ahead of everybody. LeBron is not still at that level where they can just coast through the regular season. And then expect to turn it on in the playoffs, um, and especially when they're going to be, if they're not a higher seed and they're going to be playing the toughest teams in the West going into that, those playoffs, then um, they're not just going to coast through those teams. So the question for me is how much is AD going to buy into actually playing some time in the five at the reg- at the five in the regular season? Because those right. are their best lineups. That's all they're Grant, to they're transition going to... off that point, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think that's actually a benefit of Russell Westbrook Westbrook is, you know, the king of the regular season, and he brings that just intensity and tenacity <laughs> that I think is, you know, addictive to somebody like Anthony Davis, who um, has been rightfully criticized for playing passively at times. So uh, I do think Westbrook uh, addresses that a little bit, but, you know, turning it on in the playoffs, that's a that's a question mark as well. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, I mean, we talked about it last year. Anthony Davis – just didn't really have a very good year last year. He had injury problems, but he wasn't aggressive. He did not look like the player yeah. that played in the yeah. bubble um, who looked like he was one of the top five players in the league. He just was that yep. player. So maybe Russ is that, that ingredient that's going to turn that back on for him. Yeah, and I I also think it's very important to in, – in a West that is always loaded with talent from one through, hell, seven, maybe even eight, it's – Probably it's one of the most important years ever to get the one seed just to guarantee yourself to get to the second round. So I, I think the fight for the one seed actually will matter, especially which is kind of different in in the past seasons for LeBron, where LeBron co- goes through the regular season and he doesn't really care if he gets the one seed, two seed, or even the three seed with who, whatever team he's on, mainly mainly the Cavs. Uh, but now I think it's going to be really important for the Lakers to get that one seed to basically ensure them. Uh, at least a, a bid to the second round because if they finish second or third in the West, they it's possible considering the how loaded of talent the West is that they could be knocked out, especially with how fragile the Lakers are that we've talked about before. Um, so yeah, all very good points. I'll just I'll briefly give my my grade. I'm going to give them an A minus, so I'll be a little more a uh, little more optimistic with my grade than y'all, and it's mainly because of the fringe moves that you talk about grants i'm a huge fan of getting kendrick nunn for five million dollars i'm i may not be a huge kendrick nunn fan but i'm a fan of getting him for five million dollars when he was a first team all rookie guy in his rookie season and then his second year he only got better in his second year as a scorer he actually became a lot more efficient last year shooting 38 percent from three with a 59.6 true shooting percentage so that to me is a steal, an absolute bargain to get a guy uh, with who's that good of a scorer 
and has defensive upside because his, his wingspan is extremely long. So he does have some defensive upside to get as a motorcycle drives by. To get a guy that good for only five mil, I think that's awesome. Uh, and then also, as you touched on Grant and Chris, getting Malik Monk for $3.9 million is also, I think, a steal. Uh, he's he's only improved as a scorer as his, in his time in, in the NBA. And as you said, Chris, he did shoot 40% from three last season. Uh, I'm okay with Dwight coming back, though he probably shouldn't have left. <laughs> uh, with DeAndre joining, DeAndre joining, it's basically a super athletic, another super long defensive, uh, maybe defensive. The hope is for them to be a defensive front court uh, with the signings of DeAndre and Dwight. And then we know they, they love that LeBron loves playing with Rajon Rondo. Hell, even Ken, Ken Bazemore. Ken Bazemore shot 40% from three last year. You know, so it, I, I like their fringe moves a lot. The whole Russ stuff, it's all about him buying into his role. I've talked about this before. If the, I think the Lakers, Lakers fans' worst case scenario or their nightmare scenario is constantly seeing Russell Westbrook take mid-range brick after mid-range brick with like 18 seconds left in the shot clock and LeBron James being on the side just, just looking like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what, what, move the ball, run the offense. Don't just be Russell Westbrook, I guess. So he, his, for me, the key for Russ is him buying into his role on the Lakers and also just lessening his shot attempts by a pretty solid amount. Uh, last season, Russ ranked 15th in shot attempts, which is pretty damn high for a guy who is a historically bad shooter. Uh, so now... Now in 2020, actually, so the year before last season, he ranked second. So 15th is an improvement from second. Um, but I don't want to see Russ sniff the top 20 this year in shot attempts. He should be somewhere between 25 and 35, in my opinion, if if to show that he's really buying into his role and not just forcing shot attempts for no reason. Because that, that's not what the Lakers want. That's not what LeBron would want. I'm sure of that. So I think that'll be a big key if Russ can buy into his role. But yeah, I echo everything y'all said. I just really like their their French moves, so I'll give them an A minus. So we'll close on this with the Lakers, then move on to our next team. So where do y'all have them seated next season, and do y'all think they can act, they can really win an, an NBA championship? Um, seed wise, I'll put them third. And, Ooh. And Ooh. I mean, yes, they're they're obviously they're probably all all health. You know, assuming health, they're probably the favorite in the West. So um, that's a puncher's chance of, at winning the championship. Wouldn't pick them to win the championship, but that's a puncher's chance at least. Okay, third. I'm not gonna. You, you don't need to give the rest of your rankings. We'll do. We still got a lot of teams to talk about. So I'm excited to hear where where who you have ahead of them. Ahead of them. Uh, Chris, what about you, man? Where do you have the Lakers finishing next season? I have them finishing fourth in the West. Oh my uh, god. Seating seating <laughs> wise. What the heck? But I do I have them getting to the NBA um, finals. Wow. What? What? Chris, I am shocked. I am very shocked. I, that I just don't think. Forth. I just don't think the Lakers are. I think there's better regular season teams in the West, in the Western Conference. Um, I do think the Lakers have the habit of turning it on in the playoffs. We'll see how much Westbrook alleviates that, but they're still an older team that is going to be looking to rest LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and veterans don't care about the regular season yeah okay, <laughs> okay. they just can't they can't fall past fourth they're they're in dangerous yeah. territory yeah they, they, they definitely can't that, fall but, they're yeah. not fourth is their yeah i think they're they're low uh i i'll have them fin- i have them finishing second in the west um and so i i i can see them finishing third i mean maybe maybe fourth i guess i'd have to uh i'm not sure if i can see them finishing fourth but uh yeah i have them finishing second i don't think they'll finish first but yeah, I have them second to a team that we'll actually talk about in just a bit in this podcast. So, okay, so that's our Lakers Lakers preview. Any other closing thoughts before we move on about the Lakers? Chris and Grant? Nope. Um, I am excited for Russell Westbrook. Um, in terms of Good. buying into a championship, I think it's we can't understate how much Westbrook means to Los Angeles basketball. Uh, graduating from Losinger High School, um, going yeah. to UCLA, he represents yeah, what a- AAU basketball is in LA, and I think he has a 
chip on his shoulder to buy in this year, and I th- think it would be understated if we didn't mention that as an X factor. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah, well well said. That's that's something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. He is an L.A. guy, born, born and through, through and through. So, um, yeah, if, if there is a time for him to really buy in to his chance to, really his best chance to win a ring since his OKC days, yeah, this is it. So... Yeah, that's a great point. I, it's, I, I'm excited to see what he does as well. Connor, who's normally on our podcast, he actually started to fall in love with Russ as a Wizards fan. He started to really like Russell. Uh, so maybe that'll he'll grow more in Lakers fans and Lakers fans who were kind of bummed that they couldn't get those the big name trade of like Damian Lillard or, or insert superstar here that just wasn't possible. <laughs> you know, I've talked to so many Lakers fans who were like, we're going to get Damian Lillard. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, you're not, you're not going to get Damian Lillard. I don't, I don't care what random rumor you saw on the internet. No, you're not, it's not possible. Uh, so maybe Russ, Russ can appease those fans who may have been a little disappointed. And I think he will. I, I think, I think he'll make a difference. Okay. So let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. So last year's record, they were 31 and 41. They were 11th in the Eastern Conference, and some key key losses for the Bulls. They lost Thaddeus Young, which who had a, actually a really good season uh, last year. So it did sting a little bit, but Chicago they just couldn't pay Thad Young. Um, well, they could, but they, they didn't want to pay that much for him. Uh, they lost Otto Porter, and they lost they lost traded Thomas Sadoransky to the Pelicans for a certain Lonzo Ball. So they added Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, Derek Jones Jr., and they drafted point guard Ayo Dosunmo from Illinois with a 38th pick in the draft, a pick that I personally really liked a lot for the Chicago Bulls. Being in, He went to Illinois. Chicago is in Illinois. It's cool to just see a basically hometown guy stay, stay, in, his, stay in his area. So that's dope. Um, so let's start with Grant for this one and for his offseason grade and so grant go ahead man i'm loved i'm actually really curious to hear your thoughts on the bulls uh let me just start with that thad young was not lost because of money he was trade he was as part of the tomorrow rosen trade i don't think i don't think he was oh was he oh what the yeah he was he was, tra- he was traded did i mistake that to tomorrow for the san antonio yeah for tomorrow DeRozan. oh well just totally okay yeah i'll i'll probably just like yeah, I just, I just wanted to set that context because I'm about to. Oh, thank you. Rip that apart, but um, uh, yeah. So this team, of these five teams that we're talking about, they probably improved either the most or the second most. Whether you, how much depending on how much stock you want to put in the Heat's bad year, I guess. Um, of all these teams, they probably improved. I mean, they, that that's given that they had a lot of room to improve. But at the same time, I gave them the lowest grade of this group. I gave them a C plus. Um, I love the Lonzo signing. Obviously, that's a great fit. Um, love Lonzo as a player. He fits anywhere, um, and I think he fits especially well with this team. Uh, I really like the Caruso signing. That's a good value signing right there. And in a vacuum, I don't think DeMar DeRozan would be that terrible of a pickup for them. I mean, it's a questionable fit, but um, he's 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 not my favorite player. He's not the type of player I, I gravitate towards. Uh, yeah, but he's still an effective NBA player. But they gave him three years, $85 million, when there was basically no market for him. And that combined with the Vucevic trade from last year, um, neither of which, and both both those moves are fine, but they're just win-now moves that lock you into a lot of money over the next two years and don't really add up to a true contender. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about their seating later, but I mean, I think they're, you know, topped out somewhere in the middle bottom half of, of the Eastern Conference with this roster. On top of that, they gave up Thad, Long, Thad Young, who, like you said, had an excellent year last year. It was very good. They gave him up in the DeMar DeRozan trade, um, They and they had to move Laurie Markkinen. They didn't want to pay him, um, so they moved Laurie Markkinen, who I still had a little bit of stock in. Um, they got Derrick yes, Jones, Jones Jr. Derrick Jones Jr. and a pick from the Trailblazers in next year's draft that will probably be late teens or early 20s. I guess they got something for him, um, and they were ready to move on from him. But, I, I mean, I liked Laurie Marketing. I think their goal might have just been to be, like, mildly relevant next year, considering they've been through a, a pretty rough patch in their franchise's history here. Um, and I, I guess they've accomplished that. But I also personally have some 
attachment to this team, given that I've been a Zach Levine fan for a long time, and also that I spoke pretty passionately about this being a Ben Simmons destination and how, how much I would love that fit. Uh, so to see them give up any chance of that or any chance of really turning this team into a contender to get DeMar DeRozan for the next three years for $85 million, I was pretty disappointed by that. It was it was predictable, I think, from from a Bulls franchise that keeps making these kind of moves, it seems like. But it was disappointing. Okay, yeah. I We've talked about the... When we talked about the Vucevic trade, uh, when that happened on this podcast, we I think you had basically the same sentiment that it's a win-now move that probably it doesn't really push them into contender status and i i i fully agree with that sentiment it is a win now move that it's it's the whole their whole goal is to make the playoffs like that's their whole goal just to make the playoffs and be somewhat relevant that is their goal because they haven't been relevant as a basketball team since jimmy butler derrick rose like joke that that those days they just haven't been that relevant uh in the nba so their whole goal is to be relevant again to whatever degree they just want to be relevant and i previously took a more optimistic stance where i actually liked the vitrovic trade and i'm still going to take an optimistic approach for my grade with with the chicago bulls i'll give them a b um and the reason being i i'm a big fan of the the lonzo ball fit and i really i really have high hopes for this bulls offense as a Fast-paced offense besides Vucevic. Vucevic is not a fast-paced guy by any stretch of the imagination. But <laughs> with Levine and Ball, DeMar can still get up and down the floor well. Patrick Williams, who had a pretty solid rookie year last year, I think he'll also be a factor uh, and have a an improvement in his second year as as second year in the NBA. Um, I have high hopes for this offense, and I really love the Lonzo Ball fit on this team. Grant, I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't. But on December 25th, 2018, Christmas Day, 2018, Mm -hmm. you texted me out of the blue. We hadn't talked in like months. We haven't talked probably since like September or something of that year. Uh, Let me me pull this up on my phone. So you texted me out of the blue. Francis is bringing up the receipts. Yeah. Yeah, Here we go. You said, I hate talking about basketball with ignorant people. I need an outlet. Let's do a podcast. So, so this was December twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen, yeah. on Christmas, <laughs> and I was like, "What triggered you to send the message?" You said conversation with the family, and you said that they're talking about how Lonzo sucks because he can't shoot, and using playoff success as the end all be all argument. God, it gets me going. <laughs> That's yeah. what you said to me. <laughs> I, I, I remember think... where I was. I won't. I won't name names, but I remember who I was having that conversation with. Now, now that you say that, yeah. Yeah. That's that's really I I just thought about that when I was doing prep for this podcast and talking about how I've I've been a long we we've been Lonzo Ball people really for a while like even since he got and when since the entire NBA seemed to think he's trash or whatever we've always been like no he's actually a, a good basketball player who will get better and for the reasons that um, a, a lot of y'all know but has he lived up to the number two pick status no that's fine. But is he a good NBA player who has legit upside on both ends of the floor? Yeah, he does. And then last season, he's had his best offensive season of his career. He had 14.6, uh, average 14.6 points per game, 5.7 assists, 4.8 rebounds, and 1.5 steals per game as well. And he, sh- and he shot 38% from three with on a 55. 55- very yeah, high on, volume. Yeah, on very high. Yeah, thank you. Very high volume with a 55.1 true shooting percentage. And then you look at his stat progression over his four years in the NBA. Lonzo Ball has only gotten better. That's all he's done. He has he has he has not had a year where oh he regressed a little bit. Oh his improvement kind of stagnated. No, he's legitimately improved in every season he's been in the NBA. And I I personally I'm not sure what else you can ask for from a young NBA player than to improve every single year. I, I don't. I don't know what else you can ask for. So we'll talk about the Nuggets in a, in a future future episode. As a quick spoiler, Michael Porter Jr. is my prediction for most improved. Spoiler. But Lonzo has, in my opinion, a very good shout for that award as well. Uh, as I said before, he'll be handed the keys to this offense with Levine, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic. 
Uh, I thinking of Levine and Lonzo Ball fast breaks. That makes me really happy. <laughs> it just <laughs> that makes me makes me smile to think of fast breaks with the two of them. And then as for Demar, uh, I'm actually I'm actually okay with his fit on the Bulls. There's actually there's a wonderful YouTube video by one of the best NBA accounts called Thinking Basketball that details how a really good mid-range shooter actually opens the floor for other people. And so when you think of DeMar's offensive fit on the Bulls, yes, he is a fully mid-range type player who doesn't want to shoot threes, but I don't think he really needs to shoot threes on this Bulls roster, uh, especially if Lonzo continues to improve from deep. Levine, we all know he's a, he's a very good three-point shooter and a fantastic scorer. Patrick Williams, as I said, has is developing into a solid four yeah solid four who can also shoot the three Vucevic shot the three at a very good rate last year he made the all-star team as well I so I don't think you need DeMar DeRozan to be a three-point shooter I just want DeMar DeRozan to be DeMar and his mid-range effectiveness does open up looks for people around him so I think the offensive fit is there now the issue is defense that's the huge issue for this Bulls team because Lonzo is is actually not uh as much as I just hyped up Lonzo, his numbers suggest that he's not nearly as good of a defender as I thought he was, so it kind of disappointed me. And then Levine, not not a great defender. DeRozan, definitely not a good defender. Vucevic, not a good post defender. He can't switch, just not a good defender. Patrick Williams, that's who they hope to be a good defender, <laughs> but he's also in his second season in the NBA, so who really knows how good he can be on, on that end of the, of the floor. So... I think the Bulls can be really good offensively, but defensively, that's their issue. If, if, if they're, like, average at defense, they're not going to really make any noise next season. But if they can somehow be, like, a like 12th or maybe 10th in defense next season, which I, I don't see how that happens, but if it does, um, then, yeah, I, they can make some noise, and their, their hope is to be, like, the Hawks of last season or the Suns of last season. So it's possible... Uh, but it's not likely, I, I don't think, considering their issues with defense. Um, but at the same time, I applaud them for making moves to win and be relevant when they haven't been for so long. They're trying to build a roster that matters, and I, I appreciate them uh, for making that effort, even though it may constrain them for their future. But I, it's, they, they haven't been relevant for so long, so uh, I appreciate the moves they've made, and I think that they can make some noise. In, in the East next year. Chris, what do you think about the Bulls? This was a tough one for me, Francis. I gave them a B. Uh, I like the moves okay. that the Bulls made. Um, I think injecting Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan into that offense is going to make vast improvements. But they seems like they moved the needle so little in terms of where they're going to land in the Eastern Conference. Uh, mm. I, I don't think that they made enough improvements to get over... Uh, into the top four in the Eastern Conference uh, beyond past the Heat, Nets, Bucks, and 76ers. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, a, I agree with a lot of the points that you guys made. I'm just going to add, uh, you know, add on to two, two factors. DeMar DeRozan, uh, I think he's a better fit than people think. I think that in San, in San Antonio, he got quietly better as a passer and a distributor mm. in that pop system. And yeah, I know I know he shoots a lot of mid-range shots, but he's one of the best isolation scorers in the NBA. And when you could do that at a high level, um, I don't think that's going to be that detrimental to their offense. I think a big yeah, X, X, X factor is how they're going to use Levine transitioning out of the Olympics. Um, is he going to get that mm. Olympic bump, you know, playing more <laughs> as a transition stopper in the international game? Or is there are, are these players going to need the ball in their hands like we're all kind of fearing um with mm-hmm. Lonzo Levine DeMar DeRozan you know so it depends on how Fair. Levine improves and keeps the momentum going from being uh, at that elite you know all NBA level with those guys in the U.S. team so I'm really um, interested in how that factor is going to play into the Bulls yeah well well said I, I think Levine he had his a career year last year Grant's a big Zach Levine guy I've become a bigger Zach Levine guy, and he has to, I think he has to improve at least a little bit 
coming into next season if the Bulls really want to make noise, if they if they want to be a top six, top five, whatever team in the East. Um, what do you all think is Chicago's ceiling next year? So we've talked we've touched on a lot of the Bulls topics. I want I wanted to ask you all, but what do you all think is their true ceiling for next season? So I, I guess you could just give your your seed for them, uh, ne- your prediction for their seed next year as well. And uh, Grant, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, last year was so weird, um, especially in the East. So it's kind of hard to know what was real with you know the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat, the Celtics, the Raptors. All these teams kind of had different years than anyone expected. There was a lot of shakeup with that. So it's not really it's hard to know what's going to stick next year, what was real, um, so where those teams are going to land. But I'd say their ceiling is fifth or sixth, like maybe fifth, uh, but yeah, fifth or sixth in that range. I got them in the exact same range. And yeah, I I think that's their ceiling as well. I I have them finishing sixth next season. Um, could they finish fifth? Maybe. I mean, first of all, the difference between four, five, and six in any in both conferences is always like what a game. <laughs> so you know, it's not like a not like a huge difference between those seeds ever. Um, so like, yeah, could they finish fourth? Sure, it's possible that they could finish fourth. But I think I think it's more likely they they finish sixth next year. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's that's our thoughts on the Bulls. Anything else you want to you want to add on before we move on? Nope. 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 Cool. All right. Cool. So let's go to the Miami Heat and a quick rundown of their off season. So last year they were forty and thirty-two, sixth in the Eastern Conference, and they got swept in the first round by the eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks. So some key losses for them: they lost Goran Dragic, Andre Iguodala, Kedrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza, but they added Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, and this is not an addition, but it's notable that they re-signed Duncan Duncan Robinson to a a large contract, five years, ninety million dollars. Uh, I understand that you had to pay him, or else someone else would would sign him to a similar size contract because Duncan Robinson, his shooting is. Uh, such at a premium in the NBA, uh, but that's a lot of money to pay somebody who's pretty much a three-point shooter uh, and an okay defender. So anyway, all that aside, um, I'll start with my grade for for the Miami Heat's off season, and this was tough. This was tough for me. I'm I'm going to give them a. Ugh, gosh, I'm going to give them an A minus. And it's B plus A minus for me. I'm still flip flopping. Um, so Pat Riley and the Miami Heat are the true antithesis of what Sam Hinkie was with the Seventy Sixers. Uh, Pat Riley will never tank. He'll always try to maximize wins and the chance of winning an NBA title. And yeah, they made the NBA Finals in 2020. They lost respectively to the Lakers. But to me. That is the closest Miami will get to a title for a long time because I don't think that they'll make the NBA Finals this year. The Nets are still the runaway favorites. They're not as good as, as the Bucks, in my opinion, either. So I, I think it, it'll be a Bucks Nets Eastern Conference Final. So that means Miami will still not get as close as they were to a title in 2020. Now, trading for, for Kyle Lowry does make Miami better on both sides of the ball, offensively and especially defensively. Um, and as a spoiler, I'll, I have them third, uh, third or fourth in the East, probably third. Um, not you know, I'll 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 have, I'll have them fourth in the East. But the key for me really is Tyler Hero. Uh, most people say that Tyler Hero last year had a bad 2021 season, but gentlemen, Chris, Grant, everyone listening, go look at his stats because they are basically the same, and in some ways a little bit better than his rookie year. I think the issue with most people was that he didn't take that second year leap that most people thought he would. And yeah, injuries played a part in that in, in, in the season last year, and also a slight increase in usage rate may have contributed as well, but he wasn't awful last year as I think a lot of people think for whatever reason. Uh, but the key for me is Tali Hero, because if he shows legitimate growth next season, then I think Miami can contend in the East, but if not... Miami's depth is a serious problem, like a, a legitimate issue if Tyler Hero is not a genuine contributor to this team. Because we don't know what Victor Oladipo can bring yet. We're still, no, I don't think anyone really knows. P.J. Tucker was basically a negative on offense last year. 
And then, who the hell is KZ Okpala? No offense to KZ, I know who he is. He's a second-year player from Stanford, but he hasn't proven anything in the NBA. So, to me, there's a scary amount of uncertainty once you go outside of Hero, the, basically the starting five, and then Tyler Hero, and maybe Oladipo. But even then, there's a lot of uncertainty with him. So I worry about the Heat's depth. Um, so, so actually, yeah, I'll give them a B plus for their offseason. Um, Chris, what, what's what's your offseason grade and any other thoughts on the Miami Heat? I really like the Heat signing. So I gave the Heat an A-. minus, And the okay. reason I did that is because I think Pat Riley spent his money wisely. Pat, Pat Riley invested in all the most important NBA roles. Uh, the Heat got a true point guard in Kyle Lowry. They... They re-signed, uh, they extended Duncan Robinson to shore up yeah. that elite shooting. And I disagree on the P.J. Tucker uh, signing. I think it's a great signing. I think he provides okay. corner threes and some defense in that um, in that uh, Miami Heat locker room. Um, you're right, Victor Oladipo is a variable, but he could end up being a very valuable signing. So we'll see about that. And uh, I also like that they got a reliable backup center in Dwayne Dedman, a player that yes. le- has been on the Lakers fans' radar for many years now. So uh, yeah. A minus, oh. Pat Riley with the big money again. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Grant, what about you? Um, I went with a little bit lower. I went with a B, um, mostly just because I'm, I'm trying to temper my grades more than i did last year and not just give everyone like b plus a minus <laughs> okay um, fair there enough. was really nothing wrong with what they did they've had a long time love affair with kyle lowry um so finally getting him is great um and they didn't give up too much so it was definitely a good move um the duncan robinson contract was you know a little much but keeping that guy around is definitely a good idea so i mean basically just i thought it was a very solid offseason not quite enough um to move the needle for them and make them a, a true contender like you said um and not quite enough to warrant a higher grade for me, but I, I had no problems with what they did, and I thought I thought they made good moves. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Do you, do you all think that? And we we talked about the Bulls obviously just just earlier in terms of their mentality to maximize their wins now, um, and likely sacrificing their future. Do you think Pat Riley's never tank mentality is helping or hurting the Heat's future as a franchise? I mean, so far it has not hurt them at all. Like he's a master of getting out of contracts if he needs to. Yeah, um, he's he's able to move on to the next next era whenever he wants to. He can get guys like Bano Adebayo and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. He can find these guys from you know late lottery picks to G League guys. Um, Kendrick Nunny sure. round two. He can find these guys anywhere. Development. There. I mean, we talk about the Heat culture way too much, but um, it's, it's a real thing. And, we really um, do. It, it, it means something, and it, it clearly it works. And so, I mean, as long as that's why, like, them making win now moves does not matter as much to me. Does not hurt as much to me as, as the Bulls making win now moves because they've proved mm. that it's not going to hurt them in the long run. I I think that uh, Riley's. Never tank culture is an attitude as well. Uh, I think you see it with players like Jimmy Butler, how uh, he works in some locker rooms and other locker rooms not so much. Um, I think that Heat yeah. culture Sixers. is, <laughs> yeah, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. So I think that that Heat culture is important to that franchise, and uh, I don't blame Pat Riley for double downing on it, doubling okay, down yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I, I I also I echo the sentiments that you'll have as well. Just curious to hear y'all y'all's thoughts on that question. Um, if I was gonna I was gonna say this before, but I forgot. If if we had a do- if I had a dollar for every time someone talked about the fit of Russell Westbrook on the Lakers, then I'd be able to pay for my I feel like my student loans. <laughs> I feel, but at the same time, if we had a if I had a dollar for every time we discussed the Heat culture on this podcast, then I'd I'd probably be close to paying my student loans off because <laughs> we talk we yeah. like we say Heat culture probably once or well, not more than once definitely more than once a podcast just for like no reason, uh, but yeah. Um, all right, so where do y'all think the Miami Heat will finish next season? Um, I, I already told y'all where I think I have them finishing fourth. What about y'all? I have them finishing guess. fourth as well. Okay, fourth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's boring, but I think I think I will go fourth as two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
it makes sense uh hence that why we all agree so those that's our rundown of the miami heat okay to move on to our next team the utah jazz quick rundown of them last year 52 and 20 first in the western conference they lost in the second round very disappoint disappointingly uh is that you can edit this out grant or if i i don't care is it disappointingly disappointingly yeah Yeah, i I just said it i said i pronounced that very oddly disappointingly okay all right Last year's record, they were 52 and 20, first in the West. They lost in the second round, very disappointingly, to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard for the last few games of that series in six games. And some key key losses. I maybe I maybe I maybe I'm wrong. Uh, y'all can fact check me on this, but I think their biggest loss was Derek Favors. Uh, I again, y'all can fact check me, and if I'm if there's another key loss that I'm missing. Please let me know, but I think it's just Derek Favors. I believe. But in right. terms I'm of looking at their losses, real quick, but I, I believe Derek Favors was the biggest name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so in terms of key additions, uh, they got Rudy Gay, Eric Pascal, uh, Hassan, and Hassan Whiteside. They also drafted point guard Jared Butler from Baylor in the second round. Jared Butler, uh, we talked about him in our last podcast. Uh, he was someone who was projected as a lottery pick, or maybe at least a mid-first round by many people. But he went in the second, so hell, maybe drafting Jared Butler in the second round was really good value for this Jazz team. Um, but so, so yeah, so that's just an update on their offseason moves. And Chris, I'll start with you for your grade for the Utah Jazz's offseason and any more thoughts on the Jazz. I'm going to give the Jazz a B plus. Um, I agree with you. Disappointing. I think last season ended in monumental disappointment an epic collapse uh yeah. but i don't think wow. the jazz i don't think <laughs> the jazz words, need to, uh, <laughs> uh turn the ship upside down and you know restart from the ground up uh, right. i like what the jazz did they kept their main group of players and then they made small improvements um that i think are gonna pay off in the long run uh i like the hassan Whiteside signing as a backup center to mm-hmm. rudy gobert um yeah. eric Paschal, i think he uh showed at Golden State that he could score all over the floor and you appease your superstar because I know he goes back with Donovan Mitchell. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Conley, I think it, he's only 32, uh, three years, 75 million. If you look at the deal that Chris Paul got uh, for an older player, I think that the Jazz got Mike Conley on a very team-friendly deal. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Rudy, Gold, uh, Rudy Gay, um, I don't think that the Jazz are going to use him as he typically was as an oversized three, but I think that he's going to provide some good scoring off their bench, maybe as a stretch right. four, uh, yeah. maybe even a small ball five. Um, I will I will knock them on the Derek Favors um, trade. It did shore up some cap space, but they had to get rid of a first-round pick to get rid of him. Anytime mm-hmm. you got to get rid of a first-round pick to get rid of a bad contract – I'm going to knock you a little bit for it. But overall, <laughs> okay. not bad. B+. Plus. I think they stay kind of right around where they're at, one or two seed in the West. They have a great team, great chemistry, so I'm glad they didn't really do anything too major. Yeah, fair enough. I I just thought about this as as you when you mentioned Hassan Whiteside. Is he a very, very, definitely a very poor man's version of Rudy Gobert? Is, is that, like, weird no, to say? No, because he... He, no. just blo- he blocks shots, but he doesn't do it in a way that's actually good defensively because he just jumps for everything, gets out of position, fouls. That's um, true. He's he's not composed when trying to block shots. Yeah. Okay. Rudy, that's why Rudy, I, I think Rudy Gobert has better verticality. Hassan Whiteside plays above the rim, but he he's wild. He knocks shots into the fourth row. that's why i said a very very poor man's but yes okay fair enough uh all right grant what what is your off-season grade for the jazz um yeah i mean i think that's that's a good point they didn't really need to make big moves um and they didn't i mean they yeah they shouldn't have panicked after that um i went with a b minus for them um just because i still think i mean they got exposed in the playoffs they obviously signed Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal to help their small ball issues a little bit to give them a little bit more um, options when other teams go small against them. Um, but I think there wasn't much more they could do other than this, I, other than just run it back and hope that Rudy Gobert learns like 
I don't know, two post moves in the offseason <laughs> that he can actually put to memory. Um, I like, I mean, Jared Butler, like you said, that's a good pick. So good, good job there. Um, but it's, it's just, they didn't do a lot. And I still don't think they're, they were a very good regular season team last year. I don't think they should have panicked after the, the postseason they had, but I still think there's opportunity for them to get exposed in the postseason. Yeah, and on the Rudy Gobert thing in, in the Olympics, he he was like France's go basically go to scorer, and like you just they just threw the ball to Rudy Gobert was in the he? post. I didn't watch any France. Well, like he, he, they threw the ball into him a lot in the post and just said, "Hey, go score." And it, obviously, it's FIBA basketball, not against yeah. NBA bigs. Um, but he looked pretty good. Like he looked pretty good in the post. But again, it's FIBA, so it's not. I mean, it's not the NBA. I mean, I, I, I don't. You remember? I just, I destroyed him after that because it, well, he doesn't. I don't need him to be Hakeem Olajuwon and be posting up against other bigs and, and putting them in the in the woodshed. Woodshed. What am I trying to say? Uh, taking, work, taking, whatever, them, taking them to the woodshed. Yeah. Taking them to yeah, the woodshed. There you go. Yeah, there That's yeah. it. Um, I, I just want, like, when someone switches a 6 1 guy on you, I don't want you right. to be, have to, like, stand in the short corner because you're literally useless in the post. Of course. Yeah. That, fully agree. Fully agree. Uh, yeah. I don't have too much to add on, on the Jazz either. Um, I, I'll give them a B. So we got a B minus, a B, and a B plus. Pretty, pretty fair ranges there. Um, I, I'm a fan of the Rudy Gay signing. Uh, I think every NBA contender would love to have Rudy Gay uh, off the bench to provide some consistent bench scoring. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, he actually had a good 2020 season, but he struggled to find a role in 2021, uh, especially after being traded to the Kings. I mean, when he got traded to the Kings, uh, he was like nothing. He, he barely barely played unless um, Sean Holmes got hurt. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hassan was... Like, nothing for them. Um, he's, like, in my opinion, one of the biggest enigmas in the NBA. Uh, when you look at his stats, especially in 2020, as an example, when he had a good year, he had 15.5 points a game, 2.9 blocks, 13.5 rebounds. And you look at those stats, and it's like, whoa, is, that's is really... Is Moses Malone out here? Yeah, like, that's... A, <laughs> what the hell? That's really good. Yeah. Then you watch him in person, like, you like you said, Grant, and as, as you did as well, Chris... Um, he looks nothing like that. Like, <laughs> like he'll, he'll get those averages, but then there are other possessions where you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what's, what's, what's going on right now? Uh, it's, he's a very confusing player, um, but I still like him as a, as a backup center uh, at a, to, a, to, a, as a, to a contending team. Um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like their moves. And I guess the, the question I wanted to ask you all now is... Is it weird to say that this is a make-or-break season for the Utah Jazz, or is it too early to say that? I, that's hard to say, Francis. I'm not in touch with that fan base. If <laughs> you know, you're not banned on Jazz Reddit yet. You're just banned I'm, on Suns Reddit. I'm only banned on Suns Reddit, not Jazz. <laughs> you're only banned, Reddit. yeah, not, not Jazz Reddit yet. I am sure the fan base can is getting sick of having elite regular season record and it not showing up in the playoffs so if i was a utah jazz fan i'd be really anxious to take that next step in the playoffs maybe i would be western conference finals at least or bust for me okay fair enough Grant. what do you think um i don't want to answer that question i just want to hear chris why you were banned on sun's reddit (laughs) (laughs) um you know i uh (laughs) i don't know I employed psychological warfare on the Sun uh, <laughs> fan base. I've been banned on Suns Reddit since 2018. And I, I just, one day I suggested that Devin Booker was the most mentally weak superstar in the NBA. I don't mean it. I just wanted to say that to get under their skin. And that's what did it. That's what did it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was like one of the first few things Chris ever told me about the NBA, and that's when I was like, "All right, this this is my friend." Like, (laughs) so that's that's pretty fantastic. Hopefully, you don't get banned from anywhere else. But my uh, trolling days are are officially over. That's why I'm doing the pod podcast now for a more uh, healthy outlet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Stepping out of the dark web, stepping out of the horizon is the light here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, where do y'all think the Utah Jazz will finish next season? I- I'm actually 
I think we'll, we'll have different opinions on this. Um, so, Chris, what do you think? Where do you think they'll finish? Roughly the same. I think they're a great regular season team, um, one through three in the Western Conference. I think the real question mark is how they're going to do in the playoffs. Okay. Okay, Grant? Yeah, I, I, I think I'll go – I mean, either one or two is where I have them. Um, and it, it's hard to decide between one and two, but I think, I think it makes the most sense that they're going to finish first again. Oh, okay. I guess I was wrong. I have them finishing first in the West. Um, so I, they are so well built for the regular season, as we saw last year. And it's basically the same team, but they added some guys who I think can contribute and make a difference and can fully echo what y'all said. That it's it's the playoffs are what matter for them now, but regular season I th- I think they'll finish first, um, maybe second, but probably first in the West is my guess. Uh, any closing thoughts on the Jazz before we move on to our last team? Nope. All right, last team on the docket, and I hey I'm excited to talk about this team, and they are the Atlanta Hawks, and so let's go over their their record last year and a bit of their uh, season last season. Forty one and thirty one. Fifth in the Eastern Conference, made the Eastern Conference final, and lost to the Milwaukee Bucks in a respectful six games. I mean, they, they were they were very respectful in that series, lost in six. Some key additions, not a ton, um, but they drafted forward Jalen Johnson from Duke with the 20th pick in the draft, which to me was a great, great value pick for Jalen Johnson. They drafted Sharif Cooper with the 48th pick, another person projected in the first round, and Grant's favorite playmaker, and he thinks he's the best playmaker in the draft, as he mentioned in the last podcast. They also signed Gorgie Jang as well. If anything, the key additions for them are getting DeAndre Hunter back healthy, and then Cam Reddish back healthy concerning his emergence near the end of last season and in the playoffs. So I think those are like the true biggest key additions for them. And then in terms of key losses, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Please fact check me because uh, I've been wrong early in this podcast. I don't think they have any real key losses. So, yeah, I, I think they only just have some solid additions to their team. Um, Grant, we'll start with you. What is your grade for the Hawks offseason and any other thoughts on Atlanta? Yeah, um, I'm going to go A- minus for them. Um, they, like you said, they didn't make a lot of moves. Um, as far as additions go, but they resigned their whole core. They resigned Chris Capella. They resigned John Collins. They extended Trey Young. Um, Capella was excellent last year. Obviously, Trey Young blossomed into um, a huge star. And the John Collins deal was a very reasonable five-year, $125 million deal. That's $25 million per year, which yep. at, at the current rate that the contracts are going, that's very reasonable. Yeah, um, and they so, were worried they'd have to pay more, right? Like right. That, that was a genuine concern they had. Right, and like they, and eventually they might have to move him to keep paying the, the guys that they have. Um, but that's a very movable deal. So I mean, he's very yeah. helpful in the short term. You can you can keep evaluating him, keep evaluating everyone else on your team, and then move him down the road. People will be lining up to take him. Um, and then on top of that, the thing that pushed it over the edge um, was the draft. Um, they got two of the biggest steals. I think Shakur Shreve was the biggest steal in the draft. Um, Jalen Johnson um, is someone who I liked, but. Didn't love, probably probably underrated coming to the draft, but he looked really good in summer league, and they got him at number 20, um, and I think it's going to be a great fit there. So I think just all that added up, maybe I'm being a little too just optimistic about their future just because they already had a great future with the A-minus grade, uh, but I, I really just love that they kind of kept the core together, didn't make any home run moves, didn't make any big trades or anything, um, and just, just are going to ride it out with what they've got because they've done an excellent job building this team already. And then they crushed the draft on top of that. So I loved it. Yeah, I I very much agree with you. Uh, I'll, I'll give him an A- minus uh, personally, uh, just because I really like their draft picks. Um, for all the reasons that Grant mentioned before, I mean, there's no reason to rehash them. Really like their draft picks. And also, y'all know me. Uh, y'all, y'all know me very well. Y'all know my basketball takes well. Y'all know how high I've been on the Hawks for really two years now. And so it's just good to be proven right for once <laughs> last season <laughs> to see them do so well. It basically justified why I was always big on the Hawks. Uh, but I, I'm of the I'm in the camp where I think they can only get better next season. I, I don't see how they would have a large regression from last year's performance. Well, do I think they'll make the Eastern Conference final again? Again, probably not, considering how good the Nets and Bucks are. But 
I think they're just... I think they're going to have another really good year, especially with a healthy DeAndre Hunter and the emergence of Cam Reddish. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be the third best team in the East next year. I have them finishing third. So, um, Chris, what about you? Great for the Hawks and any other thoughts? I gave them a B plus. I really like this team. I had a blast rooting for them in the playoffs last year. Um, yep. It reminds me of some conversations that we've had about the young Grizzlies teams where um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to finish as a good uh, playoff-wise, but I think they're going to improve significantly as a team next year. And I like what they did. I don't think they have to make any big signings. They just need to stick to what they're doing and improve. And they drafted well and didn't make uh, they didn't sign any bad deals, which is what teams need to do. Um, yep. I, underrated. Uh, signing is extending coach Nate McMillan for three years. Uh, he was Ooh. my pick for coach of the year last year and uh okay he has those boys playing defense uh they look they're well coached a great team and i think they're going to maybe uh, regress a little in terms of how far they get into the playoffs but i think they're going to do better i haven't finishing um fourth or fifth in the east okay grant where do you have them finishing i you have them finishing third so you have the sixers just tank just absolutely falling apart is that what you i have them fin- i have them finishing fourth uh, and or no, sorry, I have the Heat finishing fourth, so I have the Sixers finishing oh my fifth. God. Yeah, and it's I. Who I knows what happens with Ben Simmons? So that's yeah. that's that's why I have them fifth for now. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I so I had the Heat finishing fourth too. I'll go the Hawks fifth again. That's I'm fine with that. The Hawks fifth. Um, okay, I I agree with you. I'm gonna need to see so uh, scoring from someone other than Trey Young to place them above fifth before I could do that. That's, and I think, I think that'll happen. Uh, I, like I said, I think the return of DeAndre Hunter will make a genuine difference. Bogdan Bogdanovich looked awesome last year. Danilo Gallinari looked okay. He had his moments, but if he becomes more consistent, uh, I think those scoring issues other than Trey Young, I think they'll be fixed. It just yeah. from a little more consistency from Gallinari continued strong play from Bogdanovich and the return of uh, DeAndre Hunter and hell Cam Reddish who were I think Grant and I are both really high on he looked really good in in the playoffs last year and and so if he shows genuine growth who know he he could be another guy who could score um but that kind of leads me to a question I want to ask y'all do you think that the the Hawks and again we just talked about how they've stood pat they haven't made big home run moves so maybe your answer to this question is going to be no but do you think they should trade some of their young talent or their good to not not really great players such as Bogdan and Danilo, they're good players, and some picks to add a legitimate star next to Trey Young? Do you all think they should do that or just just stay pat? I I think down the road that's a that's a possibility. I think right now you just keep evaluating. There's no real rush. I mean the the bill will come due at some point within the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, but there's no rush to do this immediately. Um, there's figure out who you want to pay because they have, they have so many options. Figure out who you want to pay, who who's a keeper, and who you can get some value for on the trade market, and then figure that out. Because um, there's, I mean, there's looking at this roster: DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish. All these guys have the ability to be stars next to Trey Young. Um, there's not like John J. Hunter was excellent last year when healthy. John Collins is a very good player. I mean, I'm not sure if those guys are the championship level stars. We'll see. Um, but it's not impossible that could happen that like by committee, they could be those championship level stars with a few of those guys. Um, so there's no real reason to rush into that. There's, there's time to keep evaluating this and then figure out what to do with that down the road. It's a very good problem to have. Yeah. Well said. I couldn't, I definitely agree. Chris, anything else to add on the Hawks before we close? Uh, I agree. Trey Young is going to want another uh, superstar player there eventually, but that year is not this year. You just re-signed him. Uh, I think this team should be patient and keep developing their players. Yes, yeah, so something that I just thought about when when doing this this whole thing was um, that something that's not talked about with the Luca Trey trade um, is that not only not only did the Hawks get Cam Reddish with a Mavericks pick, um, but because Trey wasn't as ready as Luca to be truly impactful immediately. The Hawks got the fourth and the fifth and the sixth pick in the next two drafts. And they mm. take DeAndre Hunter, they take Okongwu, whereas the Mavs get the 10th, which they give to the, the Hawks, and then they get the 18th pick, which they take Josh Green with. 
Um, so I'm not sure how right. much foresight that was on the part of the Hawks, mm. but that has absolutely helped them and benefited them yes, in constructing has. constructing yeah. a much better team around Trey. Whereas the the Mavs have been good so quickly that they didn't have time to build this good team. They didn't have the draft picks to build this good team around Luca. That's well said, and we will talk about the Mavs in a future podcast. But that's a great point, Grant. Thank you for that. All right, so those that's our rundown of our five of the 15 most interesting teams in the NBA going into this season. This outro is going to be a pretty brief. I have to run to a softball game that starts in literally 25 minutes. So I need, I need to get I need to get out of here. Uh, but Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. We definitely would love to have you back on again. Grant, it's good to see you. I just hope you're. I hope you get better, man. I'll, I hope you have. My, my life isn't that sad. It's, it's all know. good. Yeah. <laughs> hang in there. Hang in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grant, I look definitely look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. Hopefully, Connor's back. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he probably will be. But to everyone listening, don't forget to subscribe, rate our podcast, leave a review, all that good stuff. But until next time, peace.